I didn't have a, a clue what it meant. Um, I, I heard the words, the lips of the speaker sent the words out that came to my ear. I understood the words, but I didn't really get what he was saying. Have you ever felt that way? I looked around the room to see if anybody else was tracking and everybody seemed to be leaning forward and nodding and taking notes and focused. But I, I got to be honest, I didn't have a clue what he was saying. You see, I was new. I was new to the church. I hadn't grown up in the church. I hadn't heard the story since I was a little kid. I didn't know the lingo, the songs, the language. Everybody around me seemed to get it, seemed to understand but but I, I didn't get it. Some of the words were were familiar, I've got to be honest, like Jerusalem. I'd heard Jerusalem before. In fact, I'd been there once before on business. And Abraham and Sarah, I'd heard of them before a little bit. I knew that Abraham was a very important person to the, to the Jewish Christian people. But everything else was just sort of a, a mush. You know, uh, uh, Hagar and, and, uh, and Isaac... And Ishmael and and the law and inheritance and slavery, children of slavery, children of promise, all this stuff. I I just I didn't get it. I didn't I didn't understand it at all. And maybe you've felt that way before. In fact, maybe that's how you feel this morning. You hear those words right on the screen and long passage. And maybe you felt feel today how I felt that first day when I heard it in the church in Galatia as we listened to the Apostle Paul's letter be read. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series from the letter to Galatians that Paul wrote uh, many, many years ago. And um, it's a pretty, con- pretty uh, complex letter, but it can be boiled down. The message of Galatians can be boiled down to a, a few themes. One theme is, is freedom. Uh, Christ came and died on a cross so that all who put their trust in him can experience freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, uh, freedom from eternity spent without him. Uh, freedom that leads to salvation and joy and peace and eternal life. And most of us probably have heard about Abraham and Sarah. And, and some of us remember the story of, of you know, Hagar and Ishmael when we were kids in school. But some of us haven't heard the story. It's new to us. And so as we put all this together, what do we make of, of, of this passage? What are we to make of, of a verse like Galatians 4.25? It says, Now Hagar stands from Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. I mean, it's not clear how does how does Paul get from Hagar to Mount Sinai to Jerusalem to a woman enslaved with her children? You don't hear many sermons on that on those verses. I've never known anybody to choose Galatians 4:25 as his or her life verse, but it's in the Bible. It's a part of God's truth, and so we're going to dig in and see what it has to say to us this morning. Now, the key to the whole passage can be found in verse 21, where Paul says, "Tell me." You who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? So Paul is arguing here with with those who want to go back to Judaism and take Jesus with them. He's addressing people who want a hybrid religion, part Jewish, part Christian, where they can believe in Jesus, plus continue to live under the law as a means of pleasing God and winning his favor. And so everything in this passage, in fact, everything in the letter is addressed towards these Jewish believers and some Gentile believers thrown in who were sorely tempted to go back to this way of the law of Moses, of 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 doing good works as a way of earning your salvation. And Paul's question to them is this. Have you considered 
the implications of what you are about to do, of what you are believing. Now, seen from that background and that perspective, this passage slowly comes into focus. Paul is arguing from an Old Testament point of view with people who want to take Jesus with them and go back to an Old Testament way of living. But Paul says you cannot do that. You can't have the law as a way of life and have Jesus as a way of life. You can't have both. It has to be one or the other. And so in order to to kind of drive his point home, Paul reminds him of this familiar story of Abraham and Sarah. Then he draws an allegory from the story, and then he makes some applications. So let's dig in again at verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively. For the woman represents two covenants, one from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves, and this is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she's in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. Now, the history behind this story is found in the book of Genesis. It's a familiar story. We hit it upon a couple different times as we look through Galatians because it's, it's central, central to what Paul's trying to get a point, his point across here. And the story, it goes like this. Basically, Abraham was this, this uh, well-off businessman who lived in Ur, which is present-day Iraq. And God appears to him and tells him to take his wife, Sarah, and his family and a few possessions and to leave and go to a land that he's going to reveal to them at a later date. God also promises to give him descendants, many descendants who would become a great nation. Sounds great, doesn't it? The problem was is that Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65 and they have no children. And in the course of time, they arrive in Canaan, which is present-day Israel, the land that God promised them. And 10 years go by, still no kids. And since the biological clock was ticking, Sarah suggests that Abraham have relations with Hagar, who is Sarah's Egyptian maidservant to provide an heir. And so after some hesitation, Abraham agrees, and in due course, Hagar becomes pregnant, and a son named Ishmael is born. Now, before we give uh, Sarah too much grief here, uh, we have to recognize that, at, at least on one level, her motives were understandable. She concludes that since she's 75, there's no way she's ever going to have a baby, which was perfectly reasonable and perfectly a human conclusion to draw. And so what she does in light of this fact, the situation, is, is she and Abraham decide to take matters into their own hands and, and help God out. Have you ever tried to help God out? Now, I'm not talking about serving him and trying to do his will for us. We are supposed to do that. For whatever reason, a perfect almighty God has chosen to work in us and through us to accomplish his, his purposes on earth. What I'm talking about is trying to nudge things along taking matters into our own hands, getting a little impatient, a little bit worried, and, and kind of giving God a little, bit of, a little bit of help. For example, maybe you're uh, a little bit financially short, and God, after all, does promise to meet all our needs in Christ Jesus. And so we get a little bit worried and we take risk with our money that we shouldn't. Or maybe you're single and you want to get married, but nothing's happening. There's no good prospects on the horizon, and so you settle or you compromise instead of waiting for God's perfect, perfect person for you. Or maybe you're worried about somebody that you care about, and, 
and instead of doing our best to help them and pray for them, we, we get involved where we shouldn't. We overreach. We try to make things go the way that, that we want them to go. Have you ever tried to help God out? At the root of that action is not a desire to help him out. If we're honest with ourselves, it's rooted in a lack of trust, a lack of, of faith, and a belief that God isn't enough, that he isn't able, and that we need to do something, anything, to kind of move things along. But of course, God doesn't need our help. And whenever we try to help God, instead of waiting for him to reveal his plan in his own way, in his own time, things get worse, not better. And that's exactly what happened with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar in Genesis 16. I mean, it goes to figure, right? You have two women sharing one man living in the same camp. That's never going to work out right. And so young Ishmael grows up in a very dysfunctional, very tense environment where no doubt his father, Abraham, was trying to keep peace between Sarah and Hagar. Now, 14 years pass and Ishmael is now a teenager. Abraham is 99. Sarah is 89. The Bible says their bodies are as good as dead. They can't produce children anymore. Those days are gone. But it's precisely at that point that God announces that Sarah is going to conceive and bear a son. And within a year, Isaac is born. Now, that much of the biblical story is familiar to, to some of us. And, and the reason that Paul uses this example is, is there's a few reasons. One is, for the Jewish people, Abraham was revered as their spiritual father. He was, he was so important to them. As far as they were concerned, if you were a physical descendant of Abraham, if you were a part of, of Abraham's family tree, then you are good. You're in good standing with God. As long as you found him in your family tree somewhere, you didn't need to do anything else. It was a matter of lineage and of, of heritage and of tracing your family tree. But Paul says that's not the way it works. God's family is made up of those who have a relationship with him by faith in Christ. It's a matter of, of faith, not your family tree. This is a crucial point to consider because countless people today think that being right with God is merely a matter of spiritual pedigree or belonging to the, to the right church. And they might say things like, well, I, I grew up in the covenant church my whole life. Or I, I, I'm Catholic, so I'm okay. Or I was baptized Lutheran, so I'm okay. Or whatever it might be. But we don't get to heaven because we get credit for what our mother or father believed or what church we belong to. It might help us on earth, but it won't make a dime's worth of difference in eternity. And so the problem in Galatia that Paul's addressing is this. These, this group of people, the Judaizers, are teaching that you had to be a Jew or act like a Jew in order to be saved. For them, the, the key question was, who's your father? If it's Abraham, you're good. But Paul says, I've got another question. Who's your mother? And that brings us back to the story of Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael and, 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 uh, and Isaac. In one situation, Abraham and Sarah think that God needs a little bit of help. Ishmael's result. In the other, they believe that God is enough alone, and Isaac is a result. One son, born the ordinary way, Paul says, human effort, human striving, the other born by God's way, with God's intervention. One born through a spiritual compromise, 
One born according to God's promise. One born according to works, trying to solve the problem of, by human effort. One born because of belief and faith in God's promise. So what are the applications for us? Let's take a look again at verse 24. These things may be taken figuratively for the women present, represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, speaking of, of heaven and the kingdom of God, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who is a husband. So a couple of things to pull out of this. Paul, when he talks about Mount Sinai, that's where Moses got the Ten Commandments and the law. Okay? And he's saying Hagar represents the way of the law, of human striving to order to, to please God, something that we can never, ever do within our life. And Paul says that will not produce spiritual children. But the new Jerusalem represents Sarah, who was the barren woman. But he says she will produce many, many more children than the way of the law. When you when you when you boil it down. Sarah represents grace. Hagar represents the law. Sarah stands for trusting God alone. Hagar stands for trying to please God through our own efforts. Isaac represents the way of faith. Ishmael represents the way of works. And when it all boils down, Paul is saying that there are two lines, two ways to try life. The line of faith or the line of, of works. And all humanity is in one line or the other. There is no, no, no third line. There can be no crossing of the lines. And those who follow Hagar's way are the people who believe that religion and good works and self-effort will be enough to gain forgiveness and Salvation in a place in heaven. And those who follow Sarah in the way of faith are the people who have rejected self-effort, who know that they cannot make it on their own, and who trust in God and what he has said, even if it seems to fly in the face of what everyone else says and what everyone else does. Paul says, children produced from slavery leads to more slavery, the way of works. But children who are produced through the way of faith those children lead to, to freedom, and freedom comes from, from freedom. Many of you have heard of, uh, I'm sure you've heard of, of Auschwitz, that, that word and that place. Uh, the most notorious um, concentration camp of the Nazis during World War II. And if you know the story, thousands upon thousands of people, Jews and gypsies and Polish and et cetera, were suffered, were suffered and starved and tortured and worked endlessly. And many of them, most of them, in fact, died. It was a very, it's a very dark and grimy, dank place, barracks without heat or without fans, filled with lice and, and disease, hell on earth. Trains packed with doomed people would arrive at Auschwitz, and after they had been sorted, those to be sent to the, the gas chambers immediately and those who would be used for work or torture or experiments. Those who were spared immediate death were, were to march through the gate to the camp. And over the entrance is a sign, it's still there, which says, Arbeit mocked fry. A message which must have seemed ludicrous and taunting and cruel for these prisoners. Work 
will set you free. But it never has, and it never will. It cannot. Trusting in our own works, trying to earn our own salvation through good deeds will never work. It cannot save us, will not save us, cannot set us free. Only Christ, only the way of faith, only grace, only faith in Christ and him alone can and will set us free. That's why it's not enough just to be Abraham's son or Abraham's daughter, to belong to the right church, the right group, to have the right spiritual pedigree. We must also be a son or daughter of Sarah, a son or daughter of faith, if we want to go to heaven. We must trust in him alone. So the question really isn't, who's your father? The real question is, who's your mother? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, your word. And Lord, uh, we just pray that uh, even though there's a lot of Old Testament allusions and a lot of complicated stuff and parallels and allegories, Lord, uh, that your core truth would come through, uh, that your Holy Spirit would take your core truth and drill it deep into our hearts and minds, and that would bring freedom and and joy and peace uh, and, and, uh, and comfort. Lord, we know that we can not earn our way or work our way to you. Um, Our works are to be a response to what you've already done for us. So, Father, help us to be people who walk by faith, who live by faith, who trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. We thank you, Father. Help us to to be sons and daughters of, of Sarah, people who choose the way of faith. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.